1: To the Talking City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy. joining me today, once again being dragged away from a hectic week over on the United side of the fence, I imagine, is Mr Tyrone Marshall. Ty, how's it going? Uh,
0: very well, thank you Dan, very well. Yeah, it was, uh, we're doing a bit of City early in the week with the uh, wonderful news that Pep is staying for another two mm-hmm. years. Uh, things not been running quite as smoothly, it would be fair to say, over on the, uh, the red side of town. Absolutely. Well, I've been off for the past four days and I feel like the whole world has
1: changed since I've come back, so I'm absolutely well behind everyone. But before I enter that um, absolute whirlwind um, of a story, I'll stay uh, nice and safe in this our little city house where everything is nice and rosy and simple because, as you say, Pep Guardiola has committed his future to Manchester City. We thought we'd be coming on to this podcast this week and only having um, World Cup stuff to talk about. But... Thankfully, City have given us, uh, as well as United, have given us a really big, juicy story to get our teeth stuck into. He has extended his contract by a further two years. Um, it was set to expire at the end of this season, but so that means his contract now takes him to 2025, which would mean nine years at City. Um, unsurprisingly, well longer than he has spent at any other club. Guardiola said on the big announcement, I am so pleased to be staying at Manchester City for another two years. I can't say thank you enough to everyone at the club for trusting me. I am happy and comfortable here. I have everything I need to do my job as best as possible. I know the next chapter of this club will be amazing for the next decade. It happened over the last 10 years and it will happen in the next 10 years because this club is so stable. From day one, I felt something special being here. I cannot be in a better place. I still have the feeling there is more we can achieve together and that is why I want to stay and continue fighting for trophies. Ty, this is like massive, isn't it? If, if, if there's one, you know, we can talk all we want about the position in the table before the break and little mishaps here and there and whatever and losing to Brentford, but the big question about kind of hanging over City was would Guardiola be sticking around? Would he be staying for longer, as I've said, much longer than he's ever has anywhere else? Mm. To get this now before the the running for the rest of the season get those um question marks out the way
0: um, removing all sense of doubt um it's just absolutely massive isn't it yeah it is uh, pretty much every year it's the the signing the city that city fans want uh, to know that pep is staying uh, and that is the case and strangely it feels like this season considering he's out of contract at the end of the year that that's been a situation several times at city i think this has been the most serene um kind of year of uncertainty that, that City have had. I remember two years ago when he renewed, I think it was announced in the November then as well, but there was a lot of uncertainty at the start of that season and a lot, I think the general feeling then was that he was probably going to go at the end of that season. I think it was 2020-21. Um, this time around, I think there's been a general feeling that there's, there's just nothing to worry about and he was going to stay. And He was asked about it before the, um, before the Brentford game, the last game before the break, and he basically, he wouldn't really talk about it, but he just said there's nothing to worry about when when the club and, and me are happy, then we'll talk about it and it'll get done. And he certainly gave the impression then that he was going to stay. And, and so it has proved it's been a pretty simple deal to do. Um, Guardiola said that the only real issue he had was talking to his family and asking his family if he could stay, given it how long it has been. And other than that, I think on, on sporting reasons, he said it took him one second to decide. And you can see why he, he said a couple of weeks ago that he, he can't he can't get what he's got at City anywhere else. Um, in terms of the support and the infrastructure around him, the club has been crafted to his to his standards. Really, you think of Jiki and Ferran Soriano. You know, he's got people around him that he's known and trusted for years. It is a club. It is Pep's club, basically. You know, it's it's a club that has been built for him from even before he arrived here. And yeah, a, a pretty simple deal to do. Um, I think when he was seen in, in Abu Dhabi over the weekend for the Grand Prix, it it kind of sets. Um, set Tom's wagging maybe that this was, this was the moment it was, it was going to get done. City are actually going to Abu Dhabi for a, a winter training break during the world cup. I think it's the fifth maybe of December, something like that. Um, might play a game over there as well. And I think there was a feeling then that that would be the chance to, to meet club hierarchy and get it done. But the fact he was there for the grand prix kind of set, set, um, set people talking and, and the idea that maybe it's, um, it's, it's been done there and, and sure enough, it was, uh, it was done and dusted and pretty easy to do. And, Exactly what City wants another another two years in the bag. And this time, I don't think it was ever in doubt.
1: No, absolutely not. I feel like there was a sense before City won the the Champions League final a couple of years back. There was that maybe sense that if he'd won the Champions League against Chelsea, um, and you know he'd won everything possible at City, and that might be the good time to bow out at the top sort of thing. And, and now it doesn't even feel like that now. I don't think if City going to win the Champions League this season, I can't see. It feels like everything's been rejuvenated just because he's got Harland in. More players to come. You never know. It feels like, for the first time, he's kind of rebuilding the team, and it could be even better than his last amazing team. And we know how good that was. Like, you know, point record holders in the Premier League, eleven trophies he's won so far. But it's, it feels like a bit the beginning of a cycle again. I'd say, or, or at least the end and the beginning at the same time, sort of thing. You've got the World class, You know, so many the, the midfield a lot may be changing. In the year or two, whereas the attack is coming new and fresh already, it feels—I say—he's it's, it's, been at this—he's been at City already longer than he's been at any other club, and he's going to be there. You know, he's going to be twice as long. But it feels like because it's kind of feeling new and refreshed, and I should say, it's built for him, you know, handcrafted to suit his every possible need on and off the pitch. It doesn't feel like even if the City win the Champions League now, that he'd be going anywhere anytime soon
0: no i don't think so you know there's always the, the possibility that something will happen that, that will make him change his mind um you know there there is a break a break clause i think in the contract and he and it, the reality is if he wants to go city going to let him go um but he wouldn't sign a two year contract if he didn't think he was going to do another two years and you're right it is kind of an evolving team once again you, you think back to 2016 and he inherited a team that was aging it would be fair to say um you know the, the team that won city's first titles was getting old Needed refreshing. He did that, especially his second transfer window. That first great team that he built is now kind of been aging, and he, and he has started to rejuvenate it. You think you're bringing Foden through. You think of signings like Diaz, uh, Harland, and Laporte, uh, Harland, and um, Alvarez this year. He is kind of lowering that age profile. like I say the midfield is the next, um, the next target. Really, Gunderwind's out of contract. It, he's kind of been hinting that his future depends on Pep, so he might well stay. Now, but that midfield, when you think of Bernardo, Gundogan, De Bruyne, it is you know it is a midfield that are all in their prime maybe at the moment, but not far necessarily from drifting the other side of it. It needs fresh legs like a Jude Bellingham or, or something like that, and that's probably the next the next target. But yeah, and it, it is you know you mentioned there the the fact this would be nine years by the time the the contract finishes. Uh, you know it, it's absolutely incredible to think of that. Really, I mean when he took over. I think everyone felt he'd do four and and that would be it. He did four at Barcelona and badly needed a break. He did three at Bayern Munich. And even even Pep at the start of his reign said, you know, we seem to think that four years was going to be his limit. It shows, A, how he's changed to a degree, that he doesn't take his work home as much. He doesn't become as intensely involved as he did, especially at Barca and that toxic rivalry with Mourinho. Um, So he has changed, but also City have just given him absolutely everything he needs and, and made it a joy rather than feeling it's becoming like a chore and that he needs to get away and, and needs a break.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, And as much of a boost as it will be, obviously, on the pitch and playing, it is an interesting to look at kind of the contract side of things and the players, as you say there. Gundogan, I think, after he um, went away with Germany for the World Cup before it began, kind of hinted that, as you say, his future may well depend on... Um, what Guardiola does and it'll be very interesting to see how those kind of eggs fall now that that's sorted but um, City are quite well set in terms of players being out of contract Gundogan is the only regular starter out of contract this summer Scott Carson being the other one who you know he may well stay along, regardless. Um, as long as he, as long as he fancies it, with the sound of it, with the um, the kind of the experience he brings into the dressing room. But apart from that, and then even in twenty twenty four, the only player out of contract in twenty twenty four is Kyle Walker. After that, every player you've got a list in twenty twenty five. I think like John Stones, the pot. No, John, John Stones is twenty twenty six. Sorry, in twenty twenty five, you've got Ake Laporte, Mares De Bruyne, and Silva. So that'd be interesting, um, and Ortega as well. So that'd be interesting when we get to there. But we've got even though there's not many players to bother about, that you just set the sense that players will be much more willing to extend their own futures now with City, knowing that Guardiola is going to be there, and of course, playing under him, playing under Guardiola is such an attraction to new signings that it's going to give them such a boost in the race for Jude Bellingham, who are, you know is the most likely we like, we think it certainly just like Haaland did in the past summer. This, the signing of Bellingham almost seems to make too much sense at this point. But I imagine there'll be many more targets City will look at. Because as you say there, the midfield, it does seem to be the next one that needs rejuvenation. You know, I say Gundwan's 30-31 now. If he does sign a new contract, it's not going to be an especially long one, you wouldn't think. De Bruyne 31, 31. Um, Bernardo, well um, documented how he's wanted to return to closer to home for the last couple of years. Um, Phillips, while just coming in, has obviously had his injury issues, hopefully he's beyond them, but City and then Rodri's your only one who's pretty like, and then obviously Foden and Palmer, depending on what positions they end up taking, but Rodri's really your only midfielder there who's, safe for 25 and set for another at least five years there, you know, being a stalwart. That is a position that's going to be the next to kind of refresh, rejuvenate, and um, bring in fresh blood. And to have Guardiola there to attract the best possible players for that is going to be such a such an advantage over other teams in the market.
0: Yeah, it is. It's a, you know, it's a huge selling point for City that as a, as a player you can come and work with with Pep Guardiola. He's probably the most attractive option as as a player to work with. I think I think he just edges it over Klopp. I think there's plenty of players who would like to work with Klopp as well, but. Having, having Pep is a major, major weapon for City and, like you say, for Jude Bellingham, looking where to go, you look at what Pep's done with, with midfielders and De Bruyne and Bernardo and their quality. Bellingham might look at that, might speak to Haaland about it and think, I I want to play there. And it does, it does make it important that it's done fairly quickly and, and fairly promptly because as much as these are summer transfers we're talking about, the conversations start happening pretty early in the new year about summer transfers and just sort of, you know, we, we know how quickly Haaland and City were done and, and those conversations would have been happening Excuse me, relatively early in the season and, and agents on behalf of players will want to know what the situation is with the manager. So if it gets to February and March and, and Pep Street is still uncertain, then it does become an issue. But the fact it's done quickly allows them to present to any potential targets now or, and Bellingham, for example, and say, look, this is the situation. Guardiola's doing another two years. You'll work with him for at least two years. He might stay further, and that's you know that's great security for potential signings.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and as we said, it's absolutely excellent that CM to do this, get it sewn up so early. But to kind of play devil's advocate a little bit, could there be any concerns? Maybe as we say, he's will if he sees his contract at City to the end, he'll have stayed twice as longer at City than he has of any other club um, at Barcelona. and Bayern, As you say, players did grow. Uh, Jaded, I'd say, is the, probably the best way to put it. Of Guardiola's intensity on the pitch, he's like as we as you know, such a big plus of why people, players want to work with him is because he's like no one else. But that being like no one else brings with it uh, an added intensity that no one else um, brings. Um, uh, uh, you have to have such a mind to detail, and I can imagine it, it's not you're just you turn up at ten, you do two hours on the pitch, kick a ball about, and go home at twelve. It's so much more. Detailed and laborious, it can. I can imagine it can get, and we've seen with um, in the past, it can get tiring in players. If you don't, you know, refresh that team enough and keep players hungry, it can become um, tiring. I imagine for players. So, is there is there any danger of that? I'd, I'd say preemptively, he's working to make sure that isn't the case mm-hmm. with Harry's refreshing. But I've, you know, there's still players who've been with him for a long time. De Bruyne has been there for all his stint. Um, you know, Edison, Walker and like have been there, but for all but one year. And then, you know, is it, is it going to be a new challenge for Guardiola? We've seen him rebuild the team for the first time this year properly, but with that, you know, another three years, he's probably gonna have to do it again at some point. Like, how is he going to kind of tackle these challenges?
0: Yeah, I think the, the intensity one's interesting because I think that that's always been, it's kind of a fear over Guardiola's length of stay. And like you say that, that intensity, but I do wonder if he's kind of dialed it down a bit from his Barcelona days now and, and like we say, learned to adapt himself. And he has said previously when when he's been asked and asking him in a press conference that he as a person has changed since those Barcelona days, as you do. And you don't really, you know, there's been there's been no stories of any City players getting um, irritated by his methods or 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 anything like that, or worn down by it. And I think, the, you know, there simply would have been really, we know we there's players that have wanted to leave, like Sterling, for example, to, to play more often. And much as Pep tried to say otherwise the other week, that relationship obviously didn't end particularly well. But I don't think there's many examples of, of that. Um, you know, generally the players that have left have just left for first-team opportunities, rather than they can't take another, another day of a training session under Pep and, and all those sort of minor adjustments. So it doesn't feel like any of those players are are at that point and even if they do occasionally find it draining they, they probably just go home and look at their medals and think it, it's worth it it's worth it after all um like i say you, you never know how quickly things can change especially with with guardiola he can be quite impulsive or certainly could be quite impulsive if they win the champions league this year you know even even guardiola probably doesn't know really if that will change his thinking but you know, you get the impression that he's just he's so content with his working conditions at City that he just doesn't see the need to move. He doesn't see where the other ambitions are at the moment. And you know, he's only 51. It's not very old in, in managerial terms. So there's no there's no rush to leave City. There's no rush to go and manage a national team or you know, working in Serie A has been mentioned at the moment. I can't see a job in Serie A that would attract him. Um Juventus need a need a rebuild they're going to need a new manager but in standards you're dropping so far from City now with the standards of Serie A that it's just not going to happen so I don't think there's another job or another challenge out there for him at the moment he's not of an age where time is running out and he needs to do those challenges so I think he's just so happy and so content at City that even the idea of you know building another squad and having to rejuvenate that midfield is, is not really going to phase him I don't think
1: I presume Klopp's probably the only manager of by six months who's longer serving than him in the Premier League and there can't be many more off the top of my head in the Football League who are going to, you know, especially when he gets to 2025, twenty will have the longest stint as him. To get nine years in at this day and age is kind of remarkable. Could he, you know, could he do a Ferguson? You mean? I um, thought said he wouldn't be done again, but as you say, his working conditions are so finely tuned to everything he could possibly need. I mean, the only probably downside is this blimmin' weather, because it's a good job he signed his contract yeah. in Abu Dhabi. Because if he was doing it in, in in Manchester this week, he might have second thoughts. But other than that, like, why would he leave unless he just wants a break from the game? As you say.
0: Well, that's it. And, you know, he always says, he always gives us this line that it's not just up to him if it is, it's up to the club. I mean, the idea of the club sacking him is, is basically unthinkable. Um, I said, look, he's, he's the fifth longest serving manager in the 92 clubs. Uh, three AFO ones are top, Simon Weaver at Harrogate, Gareth Ainsworth at Wickham and John Coleman at Stanley, and then it's Klopp and Guardiola, who in the Premier League will be the longest serving by quite a distance, I'd have thought. Um, you know, the idea of him doing a, Tom, uh, a Thomas Frank... Uh, that's because he's next on the list. Um the idea of him doing a Ferguson is, you know, it's very hard to see. I think even 9 years at clubs these days is is incredible. You know, and it's fantastic that, that Guardiola and Klopp are, are going to continue for another 2 years really and, and keep that rivalry going because it is in football in terms it's fantastic to to see and you think Liverpool will will find a way to rejuvenate and come back at City. Um but yeah, it is he's so content at the moment it is hard to see what what changes for him maybe that personal situation like we say he is clearly happy in Manchester um you know it's it's well known that his wife's gone back to Barcelona and children have gone back to Barcelona now at some point that might become an issue that he wants to spend more time with his family and and things like that and the schedule just becomes too much but for for sporting reasons it's hard to see why why he would leave at the moment and I think once we got past that four years and that idea that he wears himself down, it just it doesn't seem to be happening now. At, at any point, he doesn't seem to ever be in that position where it's it's getting too much and he needs a break. So, you know, you wouldn't rule out maybe another another contract extension after that. Maybe he'll see ten years as a nice a nice kind of dynasty, a decade at, at City, and, and move on. But yeah, it's hard to see. Hard to see um, why he would go at the moment, but if you're asking me if he'll do 26 years, I'm going to sure. say yeah. Uh, I'm going to say no because I won't be happening.
1: It's um, it's obviously an issue that you don't have to think about now for a few more years. But does it make it harder to replace him when that day eventually does come? You know, we've seen Barcelona did it with kind of promoting from within, and it was going really well until obviously what happened was it um, Villanova, who unfortunately, of course, um. Passed away, and like yeah. they had a, a really good idea, and it worked for a while. City doesn't don't seem to be putting as much emphasis on Brian Barry Murphy's doing a great tea, a great job here with the EDS, of course, and they've got good coaches, I'm sure, within the system. But it doesn't really seem like a successor is being groomed quite like Barcelona did. Of course, Arteta might well have been um, the idea there at one point before he left off for Pasture's new Pasture's pretty green, uh, as it turns out. Um, beforehand but do you, do you think there is maybe a concern of that job when it, you know, it's a bridge to come to another day of course but when they get to it, it might be quite a difficult bridge to cross
0: yeah definitely and it's very hard to plan for who's who's going to be the ideal person in in two and a half years now if that is the date that he goes so much can can change then and you'd, you'd look at potential candidates now like Pochettino, Ruben Amarim. anything could happen in the next two and a half years to, to their careers there could be other outstanding candidates coming then excuse me, so it's very difficult to plan. I'm sure City will have a constantly updated list of, of likely candidates just in case the day does come where, where Guardiola has a change of mind or something changes and, and he wants to go. But in terms of planning for 2025, it is almost impossible. And how they face that date, I mean, it's it's hard to say. I remember having a conversation maybe last year about, I think it was before Klopp signed his new contract, about how Liverpool and, and City would deal with that and I kind of felt that Liverpool might fare worse because Klopp is like the emotional heart of that team, isn't he? All the players are emotionally invested in Klopp, it feels like. And when he goes, that's such an emotional lull. Whereas you mentioned before the the intensity of Guardiola and it might be helping them winning trophies, but there might also be a case that if he goes, a few of the players might think, you know, that was great, but I am ready for something different. But also now it's been going on for so long that if it gets to nine years and he goes... It's it's a club that even it's not just nine years, it's the three or so years before that when Soriano and Begiristein were there. It's a club for more than a decade, has been built to PEP mm. standards. And you've also got the possibility that when he goes, Soriano or Begiristein might go. They'll have been there a long time then. And that's a huge wealth of knowledge and experience going and they'll almost have to, you know, they'll almost have to start again potentially if if that happens. So, you know, the longer it goes on for City, the better it is. But I do think there's also a case of when it does end as a result of that, the harder it becomes to replace him just because the the institutional knowledge now is all Pep's, it's all Soriano's, it's all bagheera And if they all think it's a similar time to go, then that could cause problems. You mentioned Ferguson before. I guess the fr- prime example of that is is Ferguson and David, David Gill Gil- going Gil in the same summer and look at the problems that cause United. So I'm sure that's something City would, Would want to avoid and at least Mm -hmm. phase those potential departures out.
1: Absolutely. Well, that's as I say, that's not something City have to kind of be worried too much about for a few years yet. And until then, the, the the short to medium term future, at least, is looking very bright, very promising, and very blue, no doubt. But moving over to, of course, the World Cup, it's been. It's been a weird one, tie to say the least. So <laughs> I caught I caught World Cup fever last week on this pod, and as I, I went over to to the United pod for a little a little um, a one off, and you know seeing all the old war horses who were in the squad and um seeing so many squads and that got me really excited for the tournament. Me and Joe talked at length about it, but I must say, um, seeing Infantino, I like a them in Star Wars baddie and saying some absolutely obscene stuff before the tournament even kicked off and then a lot of the quality of some of the games shall we say I think being very generous it's been a quite a mixed tournament there's been some great shocks um some absolutely kind of vintage World Cup upsets but apart from that it's either been nil nil draws or Minnows getting absolutely battered, which is fun when you're watching England do it, but not quite as not quite as exciting um, every other time. Say, 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 the World Cup fever may have mellowed a little bit. We'll see you again tomorrow if it picks up. And um, we're in Whitby, going to going to Whitby to to watch the oh, game. Gosh. I got calls in Whitby on Saturday, so going a little, little little trip away. I'm, you know, not going to Qatar, so we'll make a we'll make a different <laughs> away day of it. Absolutely, but yeah, bit of strange World Cup, hasn't it? Ty? A weird one.
0: Yeah, it really has. There's been some incredible results. Um, I think Saudi Arabia and, mm-hmm. um, and Japan, obviously, from a, an English point of view, England winning 6-2. But then there's been four nil-nils out of 14 games. I don't think any of them are what you'd call good nil-nils. Um, yeah. I mean, Morocco, Croatia just should should never, never see the light of day again. That tape should be burned. <laughs> the one earlier, Uruguay, South Korea was a letdown denmark Tunisia was a terrible game. I can't yep. even remember what the other 0-0 was. Um, so it's been a pretty poor tournament. And I know there was a an idea. Poland-Mexico. Poland, Poland-Mexico, Mexico, that's it. We that had a The absolute
1: that's World Cup goal coming back yeah. with save. But apart yeah. from
0: that, not good. Yeah, I've no idea what he does in four years between World Cups. He always looks mm-hmm. such a good keeper and then must just... Uh, yeah, just I don't know where he goes for those four years. But yeah, the, the standard has been pretty poor. And I think it was Bruno Fernandez who said um, in that press conference of the day where he was being inundated with questions about Ronaldo. And in one of the rare World Cup questions, understandably, he you know he said he said that the the tournament might be better. It might be more competitive because players are going into it on the back of a season. It's not like you stop for two weeks, three weeks, and then restart as you do with the June tournament. You've literally been paying Premier League, Serie A, La Liga league earn games whatever a week before the tournament starts so you're at peak fitness and going into it but it has you know it has not looked that way and i think it's just as 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 interesting and as good and as fun as world cups still are they're not the peak of football anymore the the champions league is and you compare these games to champions league games even group stages and it's you know the 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 difference in intensity and quality is astronomical it really Mm. is and part of that, I think, is the way that football's coached these days, the intricacy with which the game's coached, um, helps teams that are together eight months of the year, whereas these have had three or four training sessions together. And I think that makes mm-hmm. a difference. But, the yeah, the standard in Champions League games is, is so much better. And I spoke to someone at United um, a couple of weeks ago and talking about the World Cup on the fitness side of things. And, you know, they were saying that the difficulty is going to be, A, managing players who go but aren't getting minutes, B, even players are getting minutes. The, the intensity of a World Cup game isn't as intense as a Premier League game. And that might that might sound a strange thing to say, but that's just the way it is these days. Mm-hmm. And, and watching them, you can see that that definitely is the case.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's hard for, as you say, a, a, a World Cup in normal circumstances when you have three weeks and two friendlies or whatever it used to be to prepare for it. Even then, it's hard to really... Um, ingrain any sort of tactical system a real good pressing unit or anything like that in just that short amount of time to do it when you've had you know seven days repair and half of that is spent traveling to the country and to your training camps and getting acclimatized Mm -hmm. and etc it's impossible to do so i think as me and joe said last week the teams that are most settled which appear to be england and spain with any luck um are the ones who are going to start really well which they have Mm -hmm. done um i should say the, the quality might not be as good, but I, I think the charm, the magic, even though there's been some absolutely dire games, I thought even the Netherlands 2-0 against Senegal was after the, the um energy rush of England to then follow it up with yeah, that was a right was bad. a when we we're yeah, that was a very much a come down, it must be said, and the you know, Switzerland defeated. I've had a good knack, I must say I have had a good knack so far of the games I've missed. Being rubbish. I've only missed. <laughs> I've only missed Japan and Germany, which was oh. absolutely gutting. But any, everything else, uh, the ones that I've missed, have I've usually been the nil nils, which has been quite a good, quite a good look. But um, quite a good look for me. But as um, I say, the, the charm of it is like you know, you can have as much co- you, you have as much money as you want um in, as a country and developing your nations but if you haven't got the players and you stuck with what you've got as Qatar found out on the opening yeah. day when their goalkeeper <laughs> it transpired has never played football before <laughs> it's so weird my my prediction of them being a dark horse went straight into the bin because you know <laughs> as, as many pointed out Qatar won the Asia Games in 2019 beating uh, Iran I believe and a ton that included Japan and South Korea and whatever, like good good teams, they won that. They came and they got into the second semi f- semi-finals of the Gold Cup recently, only losing to America by one goal. But when it came to the opening game, maybe it was nerves on such a big occasion that had been twelve years in the making. But my god, it it was quite a cathartic bottle job from them. It must be said.
0: Yeah, it was. They were they were pretty poor, weren't they? Um, offered very very little at all. And like you say, that is the beauty of international football. That if you've got a pretty poor goalkeeper or you've got a weak link in your squad you've just got to grin and bear it you've got to coach around it you can't just go out and spend 50 million on on signing a new goalkeeper so that is the beauty of it and you're right there is there is a magic and magic still associated with with these tournaments even if the quality is not there and maybe this one's not not quite as magical given all the circumstances around it i guess and some of the things going on over there. Although the attendances would, would suggest it's, it's pretty magical given that <laughs> every single game is over capacity. So there must be you literally knocking the doors down to court. get in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, there is, there is still a match to it. And, and like you say, it has been a weird tournament because we're sat talking about 4 0 nils in 14 games and the standard mm-hmm. not being great. But there's also been two games that will probably be talked about for, for years to come in, in World Cup history, and especially Saudi Arabia, Argentina, that'll go down. Alongside, you know, France losing to Senegal in '02, and Argentina losing to Cameroon in 1990, as a kind of modern-day examples, as, as the biggest shocks in World Cup history. Yeah, absolutely. That was a remarkable game. Probably one of the games yeah. of the tournament so far. Um, I presume, along with
1: Germany and Japan. And um, I thought Wales' 1-1 draw with America it was quite a thrilling game. How Wales weren't 3-0 down within yeah. uh, before half-time, I'll never know. But then, as I say, play with what you got. You stick the big target man on. Big Kiefer and all, all, all hell reigns. Ra- um, you know, just to kind of round up City players' involvement so far. Portugal are just about to kick off at time of recording. Bernardo Diaz and Cancelo all involved there. Um, Manuel Akanji, Switzerland, defeated Cameroon 1-0. Um, a, a quite an int- What might be when we've got a bit more time to discuss Rodri and Laporte at centre-back. They didn't have much to uh, defend against against Costa Rica, but they um, were a good part of a 7-0 win. Very intriguing if Pep might be looking at that with... Um, you know, a backup plan in mind, should an energy crisis ever strike again at the back. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne as Belgium beat Canada 1-0. He was not happy with receiving the Man of the Match award afterwards and said that he's only, basically said he's only got it because of his name. Um, I didn't watch that one, thankfully, so it
0: sent like another... He wasn't very good. He wasn't very good. I'm just amazed he got it. One of his poorer
1: games. Well, he wasn't that good against Brentford either, so let's hope he gets that out of his system before (laughs) City return to action. Um, Ilkay Gundogan scored from the penalty spot, but that wasn't enough um, for Germany as they somehow lost to Japan. As I said in the preview, Japan are great value in this World Cup and I hope they get through to the knockout stages. Their game with Belgium in 2018 was one of my favourites. Um, Julian Alvarez, um, tried as he might, um, couldn't get Argentina back into it, as we said, as they lost to Saudi Arabia. Two stunning goals from the Saudis to cap an amazing, winning some amazing celebrations uh, afterwards. Uh, Nathan Ake uh, played as Netherlands beat Senegal 2-0. And then, of course, uh, Foden, uh, Grealish and John Stones all involved as England beat Iran 6-2, Phillips and Walker on the bench, but a lovely moment for Jack Grealish as he got his first World Cup goal, so unselfishly being set up by Callum Wilson, who he's, he's certainly a better man than me, I was charging through on goal um, in the last minute when you're 5-1 five, one, five, five, one or 5-2 up, you're 30 years old, it's your first World Cup, I think I'd be taking the shot, yeah. but he set up Grealish, which I think says quite a lot about the spirit in that England squad. And, I was quite worried about that game going in. I thought it'd be quite a dull affair with Carlos Queiroz. And I, I think I said something on the lines of England needs kind of be on the front foot, score early, and then the very look, the floodgates will open. They certainly did. This could have scored earlier if, um, you know, Stones and Maguire simultaneously been awarded the penalty they deserved, and somehow yeah. Iran got one <laughs> for the exact same thing um, later on and the last kick of the game. Um, there's not much you could have do about them two goals from Iran. A bit disappointing, but otherwise. Really good from England, I thought. I thought the midfield of Rice, Bellingham and Mount looked really dynamic, really entertaining. Bellingham, as I say, if he if if City are the one to get him. We've known it for quite some time now, but my God, what a player and what an nothing goal.
0: Yeah, definitely he was absolutely brilliant, wasn't he? And you're right. I thought the mid the balance of the midfield three looked absolutely fantastic, the way they rotated positions and and just moved around around. And they'll obviously face tougher tests, but yeah, that looked a midfield three worth worth persevering with it, a formation worth persevering with I was with you that I thought that was going to be a, a 1-0 2-0 2-1 kind of job and I was amazed they won it as handsomely as they did in the end but they did play really well there was a fluidity to the way they played the interchanging of positions um interesting what you said before about them being a settled team and, and that may be helping and something I hadn't thought about but you can kind of see because they did play with with a familiar a familiarity that you don't normally get or don't always get with international football. So, yeah, a, a very promising start. And there was a lot of, um, you know, there was, on Monday night, there was a lot of, it's only Iran, let's not get carried away. But it was only Saudi Arabia and it was only Japan. So, you know, you can only beat what's put in front of you and they beat them pretty handsomely. So, um, so yeah, as, as good a start as, as could have been hoped for, for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, as we, you know, we still went to see Portugal and Brazil play their first games, um, as we'll do later on today on Thursday. But apart from England and Spain, None of the other big teams are favourites, or any team you may think would go far, have looked like a good attacking threat. I thought Argentina was so sluggish, could hardly get yeah. for an hour of that second half, uh, for half an hour, ever it was when they were chasing them, the chasing to get back into the game. I don't think they had a sh- an actual shot on target. They had a couple of headers, but apart from that, they they could make nothing. Germany look a bit listless. France, of course, i um. I forget, look really good. They um, came back to beat Australia four one and despite all their injury problems, and Griezmann and and Giroud looked still to be a, a class um forward line. So they have been attacking well, and Spain looked really good um, with Gavi and Pedri pulling the strings. But England, Spain, and France are the only teams so far have hit the ground running look a real threat going forward. And your your Netherlands, Argentinas, Germany's, um, and the like are all looking pretty sluggish. And I think you know, we'll see our Brazil and Portugal fare um, later on today. But I think England's chances, I was optimistic as it was. I don't know what you were thinking before, tournament. I, I was pretty optimistic England could at least get the semis, depending on how that draw for, um, falls with France. But man, we're going to win it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think France in the quarters is still a, a concern, isn't it? I think France is still a better team than we are. Um, but I, I always thought we should reach the quarters and that Southgate's tournament record was, was deserving of probably more respect on on the way in, but like you say, if the teams played so far, you you'd say we're definitely contenders. Um, you know, we said before Holland wasn't a great game, but Senegal are pretty defensive. I still think Holland have got the potential under Van Gaal to go close as well. Um, I think they could do well. Um, we haven't seen Brazil yet, but I think Brazil would still be my favourites. Um, but yeah, on the, on the basis of that so far, you'd definitely say England are, are in there with a chance, but yeah, could maybe do with um with some luck of the draw and and Denmark maybe finding a way to beat France.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's keep fingers crossed. Let's keep fingers crossed that England don't make me like an absolute idiot when they play America <laughs> on Friday night. But we'll bring the podcast to a close there because Portugal has kicked off, and we're all eager to go and see um, if they, you know, if they can bottle it just like a. Germany, Argentina have. But everyone, thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of the Talk is City podcast. If you want to keep up to date on all the latest City news and happenings during the World Cup and back in Manchester, I say, new new Guardiola contract, who knows what else will be happening um, in the coming weeks. You can get all the latest news over on manchestereveningnews.co.uk forward slash Manchester City you can follow all the articles that we publish over on Twitter at Man City MEN and there will be a steady stream of them over on Facebook as well uh, Manchester Evening News uh, dash Manchester City thanks again everyone for um, listening we'll be back next week to talk about all the latest World Cup happenings and who knows maybe some more City news but until then thank you all very much for listening